Hey there, and welcome to the Drinkable Globe podcast episode two. I am Jeff Cialetti, and this episode is going to be part two of our exploration of the drinking scene in Portland, Oregon, which, as you know, is one of the most iconic drinking scenes in all of North America and one of the most in the world, for that matter. But don't worry, the podcast isn't always going to be about Portland. I just did two episodes there. I won't be doing another one for a while. Uh, episode three will be an entirely new destination. And anyway, in this episode, it's focusing on a completely different beverage. The last episode with Jeff Allworth, of course, was all about beer, and this episode is all about sake. My guest is Kate Koo, who is the owner of what is right now probably my favorite sake bar in North America. It's called Zilla. It's in Portland. Uh, We're not just talking about her bar and restaurant. She offers a lot of recommendations of places to drink and eat, so make sure you write this shit down. I interviewed her at Zilla, so you get a lot of the sort of the barry acoustics in there. Uh, you might hear a door open once or twice, but uh, don't worry about that. And as always, I'd like to give a shout out to Chemical Straightjacket, who composed our lovely theme music. So here we go. I just love your selection. You've got what, like 80 on your menu? Almost 100 now. Almost 100. Yep. And, 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 and it does fluctuate, um, especially during, like right now it's Nama season. Mm. So we do have a number of Namas kind of rotating through, which is really exciting for us. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I was actually just here last night and I had oh, really? one of your Namas. So it was kind of, I, I know we had this, this sort of discussion before because I interviewed you for the book I'm doing. But um, we talked about Portland as, you know, no one's actually measured it, but everyone's pretty much pretty sure that it's the biggest U.S. sake consuming city by per capita. That I think that is um, an un, unverified fact. It's kind of the consensus in the sake yeah. community yeah, that Portland, even though it's not a huge city, I think is like right behind New York as far as oh, okay. um, like sake consumption and, and uh, sake sales, that kind of thing. I mean, I think a big part of it is places like Zilla and other places offer a lot of options by the glass, and you don't really find that in a lot of other cities. You get a few here and there. It's, they'll have, like, their, their house sake by the glass right. or something like right. that. But um, most of the time, you're basically limited to that or a couple brands, and then they'll have a 720 ml bottle for 75 bucks, and then people don't necessarily want to commit to that. W- would you say that um, having that opportunity to taste it and not have to commit to a whole bottle or splitting a bottle with somebody is really kind of one of the things that drives sales? I think so. I mean, I think it's also one of the thing that, things that sets us apart because like you're saying, I mean, especially um, at a lot of sushi bars, you go and they have <clears throat> the 300 ml bottles, 720s for larger parties, but you really, it really does limit the customer as far as what they're willing to try. And so it limits kind of the getting sake out there to people as a whole, because they're, they're going to stick with the things that are either, you know, economical or the things that are just recommended by the staff. And, and they won't want to take that risk of kind of getting out of the box a little bit or out of their comfort zone. How would you say the education level is with a lot of people who come in do you get more aficionados than you do uh, novices and how do you tailor a selection for either one of those two it's uh it's really varied i would say we get we're starting to get a lot more people that have more experience in sake that um do have a good base of knowledge either they've you know been on the internet and looked around there are some really good resources actually um, on the internet for sake 
And then we do get a lot of people who come in and they're like, I've only ever had one kind of hot sake, mm. you know, or I've only had one cold sake. And usually, you know, the hot sake comes out of this giant box on the side of the restaurant, that kind of thing. And so we just start asking questions, really. And it kind of depends on what they're looking for. You know, our sake list is so diverse that we have the ability, and that's one of the things that's nice here to help educate the customers is we do have the ability to say like we have really really dry really really sweet we have a full range of the cloudy sake we have all the different types of um you know brewing styles that that kind of stuff and so it does make it easier to kind of guide them in a direction and then i've found that people typically start out in one place and then as they dip their toe in they kind of are a little bit more willing the next time to to try something that's a little bit different or something that's a little more unusual how how frequently do some of the selections rotate i mean you mentioned nama season obviously and you get things coming in and out then but uh, what percentage of your menu would you say kind of stays the same and what percentage is sort of open for rotating stuff i think about 80 percent of our list pretty much stays the same. I mean, there are sake that we have here that we have had since I came on before I was the owner, you know, mm. from the very 10 years ago. Um, and and so it's nice to have those kind of cornerstone sake that we're very familiar with. We know, we know we can push them on people and that people will enjoy them, that kind of thing. But it is nice to get different things rotating through. I mean, there are always new breweries, new sake that's being discovered by our suppliers in Japan, the relationships that they have with the breweries there. And um, and then, of course, during Nama season, I mean, Namas make up, the rotating Namas make up maybe, maybe 5% mm. of maybe a little bit more than that of our menu at any given time. Um, but... But yeah, so most of the sake that we have pretty much stays consistent, and then you know we like to bring in other things as they're available. So what what initially what got you into sake personally? When did how long have you been into sake? How long have you sort of had this background? Um, so I when I moved back to Portland, this was maybe 12, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. almost twelve years ago, eleven years ago. I worked at a sushi bar and we had a sake there called Yukino Bosha. And that was my first like real introduction to super high quality artisan sake. And it's a sake that we have here. It's still on the top of my list. Now I've been to the brewery twice, you know, know the people that are there, which is amazing. Um, and so, like I said, that was 11 or 12 years ago. And then it was really when I came to Zilla and started working here that, that, um, you know, my knowledge base got a lot better and I started kind of delving into this deep world of sake that is kind of this never-ending rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, so 11, 12 years. So, you know, let's talk a little bit uh, more about Portland. Some of your favorite places, uh, what would you recommend to somebody who's a traveler, not a tourist, you know, somebody who right. may be coming here for the first time but doesn't want to get sucked into tourist traps and that sort of thing and be like the annoying tourist. Right, right. Um, So I would say for Japanese food, there is a very small place. It's hard to find. It's out um, by the Beaverton Transit Center. And I'm trying to remember the, I'm not as familiar with Beaverton, but it's called Yuzu. And they have pretty much no signage, just like a little sign on the door. But it is, I would say in Portland, like the most authentic and the best Japanese food that's not sushi. They don't do sushi there, mm. but um, 
they they have great food. They have a great selection of sake, and it's a place I've spent my birthday there before. I mean, it's it's a really really good place to go for Japanese food, izakaya.、Um, and then there's a little bar by my house called the Tannery that I love to go to. Yeah, it's,、mm-hmm, it's really small. They have they have good food as well.、Um, open late. And it's it's more of like a, I mean it's not Asian you know but it's it's a great place to go I was just there last night actually oh yeah was it is it like a dive bar is it it's not divey it's very Portland、um, it's in kind of this it's in its own building it's very small and、mm. open kitchen、um, the owner is the chef there and yeah not quite divey definitely not not divey but it's 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 low key. It's yeah, you can go wearing you know jeans and a hoodie. Yeah, I mean I think the term divey is is overused anyway, and I think that、um, when when places strive for that without really sort of being that authentic, I mean it's sort of people can easily sniff that out. Right. And, <laughs> and、uh, any other types of places doesn't you know any any food any drink doesn't have to be Asian can be.、Um, let's see. There's. There's a place, you know. It's funny because especially with the Asian restaurants, I feel like the the worse the place looks, sometimes the better the food is.、Yeah. <laughs> and not to say this place looks terrible or anything like that, but、um, it's、uh, it's another kind of like small off the beaten path. It's、uh, Beijing Hot Pot out on 82nd. Oh, and these are all new to me. I've, I've been here a bunch of times. <laughs> it's like I'm glad I'm glad I'm finding、yeah. this stuff out.、So. It's it's amazing. I mean, I do eat a lot of Asian food, not just Japanese food, but Asian food in general. And yeah, Beijing Hot Pot is great. There's a place called Mika that's out on like I want to see 68th and Sandy、mm-hmm. in Northeast,、uh, 64th and Sandy maybe. And they have it's. Like Vietnamese Cambodian, oh, so that's cool. They do have some of the things that people are used to seeing at like a Vietnamese restaurant, but they also have different stuff, and I'm never disappointed there. It's great. That's great. Yeah, there aren't too many places that, at least on the East Coast, there definitely aren't a lot of places that do Cambodian. So that's、uh, kinda, yeah.、Um, you know, other things, anything, bars,、um, could be whiskey, could be cocktails, could be beer.、Um, let's see. I'm. I don't really drink beer. Okay. And I don't drink whiskey so much anymore. I mean, obviously the whiskey library is like, oh yeah, yeah.、Uh, you know. Although there is a place on an interstate called Pinkies,、mm-hmm. and they have a pretty impressive selection of Japanese whiskey. So I've been out there, and that that was a really cool place. I liked I liked Pinkies.、Um, around here, there's a bar called the Knockback, and Knockback. we like going to Knockback. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Slow bar. Have you been to Slow Bar here? I haven't. No. That's that's probably I would say easily top three like favorite bars for me. I met my husband there. Oh great.、Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean it's just same thing like solid solid bar food.、Mm-hmm. Step above like what you would expect at a bar. Maybe a couple steps above. Good drinks. You know, good people there. It's interesting that you say you're not really drinking beer anymore. You live in Portland, and、uh... yeah, I've never been much of a beer drinker. Oh really? Actually, yeah. I mean, when I <clears throat> I went to college in Hawaii, and when I lived、oh. there. You kind of got to drink beer. They don't、yeah. do. I mean, there are some microbreweries out there, but pretty much everybody there drinks either like Bud Light or Corona or Heineken. Yeah. But、um, you know, different culture. But yeah, here I'm not. I'm not so much a beer drinker. It kind of makes my stomach funny. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I actually, with me, I used to almost exclusively drink beer up until probably ten years ago, and then I started discovering a lot of other things,、yeah. and now. And I, I do feel weird saying this in Portland, but beer has now become kind of not even secondary to me. It's actually become tertiary,、oh, yeah. and I'm sort of like I just like so many other things. And I've I've really gotten into sake too, so it's sort of like that's mostly what I drink. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know I I since I write about all kinds of beverages, I 
tend to drink everything, but you know, if there were a pie chart of the things that I drink, it <laughs> right. would be like I would say sake is probably takes up like one third of that chart, and then everything else gets a little sliver of that chart. Yeah. So that's kind of that's where I am now. And I think being able to get that the word about sake out, you know, yeah. and the knowledge, the education is is really key for people to be more than just interested in it, you know, for people to really, to help the market grow and for people to continue drinking yeah, sake, yeah. for it to be like a growing, consistent thing with individuals that it's not like, oh yeah, I tried it and it tastes great, but you know, I don't, I don't want to drink it all the time, that kind of thing. But the more people I think learn about the process of making sake, the stories behind the breweries, that kind of thing, it really draws people in. And especially the stories, that's a, that's a big thing for us here is knowing about the breweries and, um, and the people that are involved with making the sake that we're drinking here every day. Yeah, one of the things that was that was great with some of the people in the in the sake class with me, you had some, you know, wine sommeliers that were taking the class. So, you know, they worked at like just regular steakhouses, American right. style steakhouses. I, I think that sort of thing is probably key to sort of get it more accepted beyond just the traditional right. Asian venues and stuff. Well, and we're starting to see now sake. Um, you know, appear in Western restaurants, restaurants that aren't Japanese, and mm. that kind of, um, I don't know if stigma is the right word, but the stereotype there yeah. at least has been broken that you have to drink sake with Japanese food. It's the only food it goes with. And it's kind of an interesting thing, and I think we might have talked about the pairing thing a little bit when, when we talked before. But, you know, in Japan, sake is very regional. Mm. Only about 3% of sake is even exported out of Japan. Yeah. So. Within Japan, most of the sake that is produced stays within the region that it is produced in. And so for that reason, it's usually paired with food from that region. So everything is very regional, very small. Um, now we're starting to see outside of Japan kind of the opposite thing happening, where sake is being paired with non-Japanese food. Uh, cheese is a great thing to mm. pair sake with. And um, so it's... It's kind of an interesting perspective to have on pairing food with sake because it's so different than what you see in Japan. Beyond things like, you know, you mentioned cheese and some other things, like what are some other great pairings that are completely under people's radar that, you know, beyond just Japanese food? Um, I mean, cheese is starting to kind of take off as this thing now. Mm. I mean, it's becoming more popular to have a cheese plate places where you have like at a sake bar yeah and um you know but my sake mentor would want me to say and, and i agree with this that sake goes with everything mm. and it it can go with everything and the nice thing about it is because it's a little more neutral i guess you don't have to worry about things there are definitely pairings that work very very well but you don't have to worry as much about things clashing and you know like oh i had this whatever wine with this and it just didn't go together it doesn't really work like that in sake there are definitely things that kind of lend themselves to be paired together but but in general i mean i'll drink sake with whatever you know actually a friend do you, do you know jamie graves by any chance i don't think he so. works for skernick now he used to be um uh he's pretty much ahead of the the sake portfolio for skernick wines but he used to be the the basically the bar manager at uh, sakamai in new york mm -hmm. and um he, he's got one of those things that sort of resonated with me. Sake is very forgiving as far as food. Definitely. And that's that's probably the best way to say it. It's like, because like with wine, you can go very, very wrong with pairings. Yes. Yeah. But sake, you know, 
it may not be a perfect match, but it's it's you know it's gonna be fine. Like it starts at good, and then it just gets better from yeah. there. <laughs> there's there's really no bad. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I was trying to just think off the top of my head of something that would be a bad pairing in sake. I mean, I guess I would say maybe like I probably wouldn't do like a dessert with something that is really really like heavy earthy dry mm. astringent like that kind of thing but yeah. i mean that is that is i think something that they're so far on the opposite ends of the spectrum that i think most people even if they didn't have like a whole lot of experience in sake could probably be like if they knew about the sake you know brands that they have at their place it would be like okay this this maybe isn't going to be as good as as this one but it's definitely more forgiving than than wine. Let's talk about um, you know keeping with the travel theme um, outside of Portland. What are some of the places that you like? What is there anything on your bucket list as far as places you want to travel? Anything that you enjoy traveling to that you've been um, like within the U.S. within or? the U.S. or anywhere actually, uh, either yeah, here or abroad. Um, I mean, definitely more travel in Japan. I've been to Japan twice. Mm-hmm. I haven't spent nearly enough time there. I feel like when I go, I try not to schedule too many things, but everything ends up being kind of rushed anyway. Um, and I'm trying to think here. I I tend to mostly eat sushi outside of Portland, and that's been a more recent thing. Oh, as really? I've Why tra- is that? I like to eat really traditional focused sushi, mm-hmm. and it's harder to find that in Portland. I mean, there's a lot of good fish, and there are a lot of good sushi bars here, but just as far as the style that you know, yeah. I'm attracted to eating. Um, so when I eat sushi, I tend to go to higher-end places in larger cities, LA, New York, Tokyo, mm-hmm. or anywhere in Japan, really. Um, so yeah, definitely more travel in Japan. Um, I'm going, hopefully, down to California at the end of May, mm-hmm. or middle end of May, and so I always kind of try to, um, you know find new places to go based on recommendations of people that I talk to when I'm traveling. But as far as like bucket list stuff, I think in general, I just want to travel more. You know, I haven't, I've done a lot of travel within the U.S. growing up and my mom was a flight attendant. So we traveled a lot, you know, within the U.S. and I've been to all the major cities and in most parts of the country, but... Are you from Portland originally or... I grew up in Corvallis, about an hour and a half south of here. Yeah. And, uh, but I've spent, you know... A long time in Portland. I went to school. I think I mentioned in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah. I mean, I think in general, just more international travel. Make it over to Europe. I'd love to go to Portugal. Actually, yeah, that's one place I haven't been. Yeah, honestly. Portugal, I've been to Spain, Spain, but I haven't been to Portugal. Um, definitely more travel in Asia. You know, I've been to Japan and Korea, but spend more time there and maybe Southeast Asia. Uh, you mentioned New York um, as far as, uh, and you like that's one of the places you said you go for sushi. Like, do you have a favorite place there? So the last time I was in New York, um, we went to Sushi Nakazawa, and Nakazawa. so uh, Nakazawa-san is the the guy from Jiro Dreams of Sushi oh. that is making yeah. the tamago. I think I think it was Nakazawa-san who was making the tamago, and so we, uh, my business partner and I, were in New York about a year and a half ago, mm. and so we went to Sushi Nakazawa. We had a really amazing time. Um, I mean, they're like New York Times four star you know, yeah. place and, um, obviously very high end Japanese focused sushi. And so sushi Nakazawa in New York, there's, um, a place in, it's on church street. And I can't remember if church street is on the east side or the west side of Manhattan, but it's called Shigure. 
Oh yeah, yeah, no, I, and, yeah, yeah. I know it's she, like an, like a sort of upscale izakaya mm-hmm. kind of place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shigure was was great. I loved going there, and the food was amazing. I mean, they've got obviously great sake selection, a lot of shochu. Yeah, and um, yeah, I actually included them in my first book. Oh, cool. Um, it was called The Year of Drinking Adventurously. They, um, uh, I had done a section on I did I did sections on sake and shochu, but he was I was interviewing him more for for uh, shochu and. Uh, so yeah, I did tastings there and everything like that, and I'm and I'm happy to know because I was just talking to somebody about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm glad it's still there because I know a lot of places come and go, and at the time that I was there, it was pretty new. And oh, okay, but yeah, they're that's, well as of a year and a half ago. Yeah, well, they, they, were, they were they were there as of last week because I was just talking to somebody about it. So it's it's you know, I know, but I haven't been since about 2015. So it's sort of okay. I mean, I've been to, I'm in New York like every month, but I mean, I haven't been to Chicago in a while. And uh, I go to uh, do you know Umi no Ye in in New York? No. Like, shochu is their specialty, too. Like, I mean, they have, you know, much, much more than than sake. They have, like, maybe six or seven sake selections, but they've got, like, 60 shochu selections. Oh, wow. And it's a type of place where, um, you know, you can kind of, you can buy it by the bottle and write your name on the bottle and they'll keep it for you. And, you know, so it's sort of... Have you do you do you go to the Bay Area very much? Yeah, I'm there probably at least once a year. Okay, there's a place in Berkeley. It's probably the best Japanese food I've eaten outside of Japan. Really? Um, a place called Ipuku. Ipuku. I think sounds I've familiar. Eaten everything on the menu there. They also have a large shochu and sake selection, and I don't know how many shochu they have, but um, when you walk in, they have you know like all the upside down bottles oh, above yeah, yeah. the bar, and so that place, like I said, I mean. Incredible Japanese food, really, and that's really in Berkeley, good. Said, yeah. yeah, so I'm yeah. going to be back down there, like I said, in May, and I'm hoping to hop over the, <laughs> hop over the bay and make it there again. Yeah, I got to put that on my list too because I do, um, I do go to like Oakland and Alameda a bunch mm-hmm. too because um, actually one of my favorite tiki bars is in Alameda, oh. which is um, uh, Forbidden Island, and that's kind of a neat place. I'm going to have to write that down after because the show that we go to is in Fremont. So it's really it's really close. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I find that people who are involved in sake, I mean, I feel like I have met there's a really good percentage of people that are in sake um and that and also people who just love sake that are great really amazing people and mm-hmm. I feel like uh the industry just kind of attracts and welcomes amazing people and oh, I yeah. I've really felt fortunate, you know, meeting all the different people that I have that are involved in sake. And so when we go to these shows or when you go to sake events, you know, whether it's a trade show or something like sake fest here, mm. and I don't, have you been to sake fest? I'm coming this year. Okay. It's going to be the first time. Okay. Yeah, I'm coming back in June. So it's a great, it's a great event. It's really fun. Uh, we'll be there, you know, we'll have a table there awesome. and, um, we should do poke for it. Oh, know, nice. For, we'll do food. And, um, so it's a big event and it's really fun. Um, so whether it's an event like that or whether it's a trade show, that's more just, you know, for like yeah. industry based people, I've just found um, that the people that are involved in sake are, are great and yeah, no, friendly, I, welcoming. I mean, oh, incredibly welcoming. Yeah, I mean that's that's my favorite part because like I, I just went, you know, researching this book. I um, I was in Japan back in November and you know I had reached out to some people here that I know. I mean here in the U.S. I mean um, if they can sort of connect me. Basically, I just wanted to do like a couple places to let me tour next thing I know um, they connected with somebody over there who basically set up this entire itinerary for me all wow. over Niigata <laughs> and just like and yeah it was it was crazy whirlwind but it was 
more than I could have ever expected that's from awesome. anybody. So it was yeah. just, yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, I think, par for the course in, in this industry, and that's why I'm, like, psyched to be getting sure. more and more into it. Um, you know, as far as what styles are you in, I guess you're probably, that's probably not a really good question. You probably like everything, <laughs> but I mean. There, there are definitely, I mean, there are definitely. What's your sort of day-to-day stock, would you say? What do I drink day-to-day? I mean, so I really, um, it's kind of interesting because originally I would say I was attracted more to what we call audio tenshu, the sake that has the jozo alcohol yeah. added to the end. It's a little bit lighter. Um, but honestly, like I've really been into Junmai. So I've been drinking a lot of Junmai yes. lately, and Junmai, Junmai Ginjo, you know, Dai Ginjo, of course, but really like Junmai, and specifically Tokubetsu Junmai, so I guess that's yeah. more Junmai Ginjo level usually, it's usually yeah. the polish ratio that makes it special, but um, but yeah, that's kind of my go-to daily daily drinking sake. Yeah, I don't know if I if I mentioned this to you last time I talked to you, but um, the sake brewery in Nashville that just opened maybe six months ago called proper sake mm-hmm. i mean june mai is pretty much all they do you know a lot of the other places are starting to do more ginjos and things like that but they're just uh june mai genshu mm-hmm. you know nama and and it's pretty amazing stuff i mean i think you're probably going to be hearing a bit more about them because you know i've been to a bunch of them and not everybody's great i mean the american ones none of none right some of them are like I mean sake one's always been great and we're uh, we're very lucky I think in Portland to have yeah. sake one here and you know not to like shamelessly plug them but no they, but yeah they it's, really I mean it's amazing that they're local they've got a great operation they had a lot of really good support from Japan like setting setting up the brewery and everything and and of course we have a you know really solid relationship with them just yeah. because we are who we are and they are who they are um, but they really make high quality domestic sake. I mean it's yeah. It's sake and so it's it's nice to be able to have that as a resource so close. Yeah, they've they've I've always sort of considered them the gold standard of stuff Definitely. that should be made here Definitely. and um and I had so much that wasn't even close to it, but now I'm we're finally starting to see people that are that are getting up to that level of quality right. like proper and and I went to Brooklyn Cora last month because they just opened in february and and there I, I was floored by how good their stuff was i'm yeah i'm interested to learn a little bit more about them i mean to be honest i don't know as much about domestically produced sake yeah maybe not as much as i should but there's um, not that much of it so it's not no, much to know and, <laughs> and i but i did but i did recently hear or see something about brooklyn kura and so that's definitely um that's definitely something that i want to learn more about yeah, no, they they um, they've got a great tasting room set up and oh neat yeah and the same thing in a proper sake in Nashville too they've got a great tasting room and um, you know both of them are only open like Fridays but it's kind of, <laughs> um, actually I think they I, I could be wrong Brooklyn Cutter might be opened uh, on Saturdays as well but I know uh, proper's only open Fridays but the place is like packed and and it's such a good cu- that's good to hear in nashville yeah and it's such a curiosity people just kind of stumble in and like oh my god i can't believe this is here and right and um, like what an odd place for a sake brewery <laughs> and i saw a bunch of people come in one night when i was there playing like D D. just a group of people just sat down <laughs> at a table and just... so i mean it's it's pretty yeah i mean i'm 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 sort of um i'm encouraged by what i'm starting to see a little bit going on here because for a while i wasn't and i'm not going to name any names because a lot of them are still producing <laughs> <Yeah>. so 
but um, but just based on you know obviously Saki one has been way ahead of the game, but based on them and uh, Brooklyn and, and proper, I mean I think that um, I think we're going to actually start to see an actual scene like a craft sake scene, even though the word craft is sort of overused, but, right. but we're going to, we're going to start to see that more, which is, which is great. Well, and I think, yeah, the more of these small, um, domestic sake breweries that are, that are popping up and doing it well, the better that makes a platform for the next one who opens to yeah. have to do it well. You yeah. know, when there's no competition, you kind of just get to do whatever you're doing. But when you know that, that there are other people out there kind of giving you a run for your money. It, mm-hmm. you know, it makes everybody want to step up their game a little bit. So I think that's a great thing. Well, have you heard about this, um, the, the farmer in Arkansas who's now growing? He's growing Yamanishiki, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. And I, I think that um, now that there are more breweries open, I mean, everyone's pretty much still using Calrose and a couple of people are experimenting with, with yeah. what he's doing. But I think he's... He's essentially cornered the market now. Like, if as more of these people open, he's going to be right. making serious banks. So right. it's kind of like, yeah. So it's it's that's pretty exciting. And um, you know, I guess the 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 last sort of thing as far as Portland goes. One of the things that's really interesting is as far as producers, Sake One is pretty much it here. And I'm actually yeah. surprised that there aren't any more since you've got every other beverage being produced. I mean, within the Portland city limits. I mean, do you, have you heard anything anyone can open up here? Or are they I, just afraid I, of sake one? Maybe. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that's it. They've kind of, they've, they've got the lock on that for sure. But I mean, I think that part of the reason that we're not seeing a lot of small artisan craft sake breweries popping up in the U.S., whether it's Portland or anywhere else, is it, I mean, sake brewing is really hard. Yeah. It's hard to do it well. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of money and a lot of manpower to do that. And, and so I think that you have to be incredibly passionate about sake to even want to crack that door a little bit. And, um, you know, hopefully we will see more, but I haven't heard anything in, in Portland as far as I know there are people that um, brew at home. We've had people that like come in here and they're like, I made this one little... And we, I, you know, usually I just look at it and I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> like, I, I'm not really sure that I actually want to drink that. I don't know where that You'd came make from. it with like, like Uncle your, Ben's rice. Right, it's like in, your, in your mom's garage or whatever. But. Yeah, and they're like, what? I was supposed to use Koji? Yeah. What? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, just sort of last thing, you have anything you just... You want to plug plug the restaurant, <laughs> plug the bar, plug. That's plug a lot. I mean, I think I think that one of one of the things, and this isn't even so much of a plug about Zilla, although I think we do this well here, is like we've been talking about that education piece. That people, this is a place that people can come and be comfortable, no matter what their level of sake knowledge is or sushi knowledge. Come in and know that there are knowledgeable, friendly people that will be more than willing to just talk with them about sake and you know some of us you can't you can't get us to shut up about it because this is what we do we're passionate about it we we love sake we love sushi and and we want to share that with people we want to share the love that we have for what we do with people um and get them excited about it as well you know and so like we were talking about the glass pour thing you can come in here and we'll you know we give people taste you don't even have to commit to a glass Mm, yeah you can find something that you like and then and then go for it in whatever format you want. And, and I think that it's, 
there are a lot of places in Portland, I think, that will do that. A lot of places that do glass pours, but even within the Pacific Northwest, I mean, there's nobody that has the number of sake that we have. Mm. And not to say that there aren't places that have amazing mm. sake lists, uh, but, you know, it really does give somebody the ability to come in and, and find something really specific that, that they like and kind of be able to do that risk-free in a sense. So. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate thank you. you doing this. Thanks for having me in. And, uh, you know, just a couple of last things. Remember to follow us. Oh, what is your, what, do you have a Twitter handle and all that? Yeah, we don't do Twitter so much. Um, we're mostly on Instagram. That's our biggest presence is Instagram. So okay. we're at Zilla Sake PDX okay. on Instagram. And uh, you can find me, as always, at Jeff Cialetti. Uh, drinkable, that's on Twitter and on drink, Drinkable Globe on Instagram. And uh, remember, the world is out there. Drink it up. The Drinkable.